Well, here we are. Another week later, we're still alive and still cooking. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Friday afternoon edition of the Really Live Green Rush Business of Cannabis talk show that we produce here at Pro Cannabis Media. I'm Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media. So happy to be with you again back in our world headquarters of Clinton, Massachusetts. And we also are very happy and proud that we were able to do uh, about four hours worth of live interviews from the floor of the Javits Center in New York at last week's CWCB Expo. I want to thank Christine Iannuzzi and her entire team out there in New York City. And I got to tell you, it is the Big Apple, and it was a lot of people there, and it was a lot of fun, and a lot of new people, too, because that New York market is just starting to show signs of, well, let's say, growth and also early growth issues. Uh, joining me this afternoon, uh, a couple of friends. One is uh, Josh Kincaid from Washington State, and he is with the Talking Hedge podcast out there in Washington State. Hello, Josh. Hey, Jimmy. And Michael Correa, formerly now of the NCIA, but still has the NCIA on his resume. And Michael Correa, thank you so much for joining us from Washington, D.C. today. It's great to be here, Jimmy. And technically, I'm still on the clock for three more days. So talk to me on Wednesday, and then I'll be former. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, I, I, again, I, I feel bad. We laugh. We, you know, it, it's like gallows humor in a lot of ways because there's been a lot of changes, and a lot of people, whether it be truly shutting down their uh, dispensary operations in Massachusetts and one in California, um, there's been a lot of. Um, uh, market correction in the cannabis space over the last few months. And uh, it, it has obviously reared its ugly head uh, at the NCIA as well. And I, I certainly feel bad that uh, some people that I know there are, are going to be out on the streets, so to speak. Uh, did Was this a surprise to you, Michael? So, I mean, if, if you know anything about cannabis industry and you do, you know the industry is just struggling. You see it's struggling across the board, big companies, medium companies, small companies. NCIA has been hit over the past couple of years with COVID, not being able to do events. You've seen money um, coming out of advocacy um, and you've just been seeing it across the board. So no, it's not a shock to me because I've seen our membership numbers go backwards uh, for the past two and three years. Um, I had to lay off my deputy um, uh, a month ago, which in itself uh, was tough. Uh, but having it come full circle and knowing that it is affecting me now uh, because the revenue is not there to support the staff. Uh, NCI is now, I think, down to five people, which is amazing considering we were at 25 people a couple of years ago. And so I think that's I think that's a good microcosm of just across the industry of what's happening. It's affected us, but um, it isn't a negative thing. Uh, well, it's, it's negative for me in the short term, but um, I plan to stay in cannabis. I'm going to open up my own lobby shop. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be talking with you. I'm going to be representing the cannabis industry. It frees me up to talk to everyone, speak my mind, sit on boards and do amazing stuff uh, for just the industry and the movement. And I'm looking I'm looking forward to an enormous amount of excitement and sheer terror at the same time. And so I'm building this as we go right now, Jimmy, and gonna, it's going to be exciting. And I want to have uh, you part of it as uh, I, as I go through this process. 
Oh, good. Welcome. I was going to say welcome to the hood. I love that. Uh, you know, sheer terror is definitely something that we have to deal with on a regular basis. It really puts us all in the same in the same boat in many ways. Uh, Josh, from your perspective out on the West Coast in Washington state, one of the first states, uh, one of the first two states to go legal. Uh, when was it? 2015, maybe. Uh, tell us about what is the impression of the industry out there as you look across the country? Is it the same? Are, are people adjusting to this market correction at all? The East Coast is living through the West Coast memes as we speak. Yeah. So you guys are just going through the same thing without even realizing it. Uh, there's a lot to be learned and apparently nobody's learned any of it. Um, what I can tell you, though, is that the industry is broke on the West Coast, uh, that, the whole industry. But from the West Coast, from my perspective, what I'm seeing is that, um, you know, a lot of events are not pulling through with with revenue. So some are breaking even, some are losing money, depending on what type of, of cannabis event it is. There's a charity, a completely non-cannabis related. I'm going to a Seahawk golf tournament uh, in eastern Washington um, at this resort called Lake Chelan. So a lot of Seahawks are putting this on and they just gave me a foursome. They're like, here, it's free, just show up. So this is a charity event and people are not paying for it. So I know whether it's cannabis or not, this these things happen. So I can tell you when I was in the banking industry, every fourth quarter, it seemed like Bank of America or whoever it was, Key Bank, US Bank, wherever I was at, they would always put a freeze on hiring and spending. You literally couldn't order a pencil during the fourth quarter regardless of the year. And then during a bear market, you know, we haven't seen one in a decade or more, but the last bear market that was really bad, a lot of layoffs. So really we're not seeing anything like new, but it is new to the industry because it's the first time in a bear market in a generation or, or at least a decade or more where we're finally starting to see this hit the cannabis industry for the first time. So the layoffs aren't anything new, people going broke, not having money to advertise, um, all of those things are maybe a shock to those who have been in the industry for the last 10 years. But if you look outside the industry, this is fairly normal within the economic parameters, I guess you could say. Yeah. So Josh nailed it on the head, you know, the industry and then just living through it. And listen, it's about survival. Your your business is about your business surviving. That's what's going on with the state and regulations and taxes and all the things you need to do it. And the biggest thing out there is the illicit market that is still a big part of this industry. And so when you as a business are struggling, you have to make tough choices. And maybe those tough choices aren't in advocacy at the federal level or um, aren't in joining trade associations. As important as it is, you just maybe don't have the means to do something like that. And you are seeing it across the boards. And what Josh is saying out West is coming out East and, you know, I think there was a lot of, if you go back in the time machine to January 2020, 2021, there was an enormous amount of excitement with Democrats taking over Congress. You saw, you saw stocks at their all-time high because they thought they could get something incrementally done, save something. It never materialized. And so there was a pullback, I think. And I hate to say it. I think Chuck Schumer said, you know, he didn't want to kill the industry. And he's basically killing the industry because something like safe didn't get passed. And people pull back. So until something like safe passes to energize the industry and really get us going, it's going to be really hard to make investments. And this is the one time we need investments in advocacy is the one time everyone's pulling back. And so, like I said, I want to be around and I want to keep doing this. 
Um, it's important. The voice, the voice needs to be heard on the Hill. Um, but it is, it is a very tough time. And anyone that's lived through recessions knows that they end and knows that it's going to be brighter. It's just right now is at a low point for the candidate. Michael, uh, I, I spew these thoughts a lot, uh, opinions as I look back and I, I look at the various movements over the last few years. And, you know, you can look at the glasses half full or half empty, depending on how you look at it. You've got 23 legal states now, and you, you've got to think that with a downturn of the economy, outside of the cannabis space. I mean, it's not like the cannabis space is unique because the, the whole economy right now is on, at a downturn. And, and Josh, you mentioned a bear market. So, but isn't the, is it, wouldn't it be a, an easy, I say easy, wouldn't it be a good fix if they just descheduled, if they just made one move at the federal level to, to somehow or other kind of jumpstart what exists in those 23 legal states right now, wouldn't that have an impact on the overall economy too? People, in other words, it could almost uh, start it. You know what I mean? It could almost be a catalyst to get it going in the right direction again. Yeah, I think unleashing the potential. I mean, I've seen the data. It's markets of 20, 30, 50, 75 billion dollars. Being able to unleash that, tax it, regulate it. But, you know, I wish it could just be about Congress delisting or the federal, you know, the administration delisting. There is the, the day, you know, what happens when the dog catches the car? Then what do you do? And so what does regulation mean? What, you know, the administration is going through this now. They're having stakeholder meetings. What is a proper schedule? And what the FDA thinks is going to be different than what you and I think. We all know this should be delisted, but they're a government regulatory body and they deal with drugs bringing drugs to market. And so they're going to look at cannabis one way. It's our job as advocates to look at in the, another way and keep educating them and getting the public engaged on this issue um, before it gets forgotten. But I think once you unleash this industry, I mean, think about the jobs that would be created. Think about the small businesses that would be created in the industry. Yes, I do agree with you. Um, you look at, look at what tech has gone through with all the layoffs. That's affecting, I think, most of America has is built in that we're in a recession and they've already laid off what who they're going to lay off. It's now affecting cannabis for a, a multiple of reasons. Uh, so, but isn't there a baby step in here? I mean, I, I really think the, the government and I'm going to put the feds, the states and even local and town governments have done a great job of making it as difficult as possible to get into the industry just to start, just whether you get a license or you're dealing with the industry, you're doing business with the industry, everything is in place to make it as difficult as possible. It's almost like they're testing the resolve of the people that are passionate about the cause. Well, you mentioned baby steps. Uh, baby step is something like passing state bank. That's a, an enormous baby step. Right. The other thing I think is the barriers to entry, the cost to get into this. It isn't just a normal industry. This is an industry that's been illegal for 50, 80, 100 years that the illicit market has been around. Getting rid of the illicit market is different than just taxing and regulating a commodity. And so you look at a state like Oklahoma, sort of the wild, wild west, where it's a low barrier to entry. And that's all going to price out because there's going to be too many, too many cultivators, too many this, too many that. It's all going to price out because they're not going to make money. But guess what? It, it is the Wild West. There's the opportunity for someone with a great idea who's entrepreneurial to maybe build up something great 
versus a different state that may have a very high regulatory model that takes millions of dollars to get involved. I don't have a million dollars. Maybe you have a million dollars, Jimmy, but like, uh, or Josh, maybe you guys are just rolling in dough to where you can do this. You need to be able to create something and where the barriers to entry are very low as this, you know, it's an emerging market and, and, and let it grow um, versus a mature market. Later on, let's deal with cannabis 10, 20, 30, 50 years later. Uh, but right now, we have to treat it like it's a brand new emerging market, which is going to be different in the future. Yeah, I, I, I get so frustrated when I talk to people like uh, last week in New York um, uh, and New York, you know, God love that everybody's trying to do it the right way. Everybody's trying to make come up with the, the perfect rollout of this industry. New York, of course, tries to tie it and Chuck Schumer with with the expungement of records and, and social equity op opportunities. And it's almost like a lot of people want to do it the right way, but nobody's come up with what that right way is. So I, I just wonder, um, perhaps perhaps the state by state model is not exactly working the right way either. And, and I don't have any idea on where we can go beyond that, but no state has gotten it right yet and i know and washington state probably is the best example of this josh isn't it? <laughs> 10 years on so i'll tell you what so i in 2015 i joined a committee to overturn the felony on maintaining and operating a cannabis lounge and it, i wrote the bill finally 2019 submitted it had a senator um a house rep rather house rep cloba was going to sponsor it then then covid hit now they want to dissect that bill out of convenience and push just what you know works for them, which is to have an event, temporary pop-up, temporary license. So when, when you say, oh, let's just push something out in New York, let's just get this done and then we'll go back and change it. Nah, a decade later in Washington, we're still screwed. 10 years later, we uh, still have, or, you know, eight years almost, we still have issues with this cannabis lounge, and it's not going to get fixed in the next couple of years. So you're going to want to do that right. And I think maybe the way is to look outside the box. Um, because caffeine with coffee is psychoactive, but there's no uh, there's Department of Ag that you deal with, not the Liquor and Cannabis Board. So if we don't even really worry about the milligrams of, of a psychoactive ingredient like caffeine, why can't we get behind that with the Department of Ag and have another psychoactive component called cannabis? And I'll tell you the reason why we can't. And it's simple. You said, well, why aren't we moving forward at the, at the legislative level, at the government level? And I'll tell you, is because it's not additional revenue. It's not additional taxes. It's more of a substitution. There will be minor improvements with taxes, but what you're going to see is a massive decrease in alcohol taxes and sales. And there's lobbyists pushing against that. You see that in every single state that has a rollout, there's a decreased number of DUIs, decreased number of alcohol, decreased number of taxes coming from alcohol. Washington state just surpassed tax revenue of cannabis over alcohol for the first time. And that's a, a really scary situation for the alcohol companies. Then you have paper. Big Timber doesn't want hemp to replace them. That goes way, way back to the very beginnings of, um, of prohibition. Then you have uh, Big Pharma. 
they don't want cannabis in there. And then uh, plastic company, I could keep going on. Plastic doesn't want hemp. Plastic doesn't want their uh, anything to be substituted. So there are mergers, buyouts, opportunities. But when you talk about increase, it's not going to just come out of nowhere and be an additional revenue source. It has to come from somewhere. And you're going to take money from the plastic companies, from big pharma, from alcohol, from all these other companies. And there's lobbyists saying, now nah, we're not moving fast on that yet. So they will eventually, and then those big companies will just go buy those cannabis entities to, to help them. Then there'll be mergers and stuff. But there's big pushback at the federal level because they're all owned by lobbyists. I don't care if they're a Democrat or Republican. The only difference between the two is how fast the individual has been at the need of lobbyists. Okay, Michael, your turn. <laughs> um, one, I agree. I agree with everything and even throwing lobbyists under the bus, even though I am a lobbyist. Um, the, the the and he he um, is so true that you just can't uh, legalize cannabis and create this on a whim. There are other industries that it affects. Um, and you know, you mentioned you know the state models. Here's my perspective: there's no one regulatory model that's perfect. Um, and what I the last thing I want is a one size fits all because if you put a shitty uh, executive in front of that, you're going to get a bad result. I would rather have 50 different regulatory models because if one works, the others can see what works and what doesn't. And you mentioned, you know, uh, 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 New York and other states, everyone wants to create this perfect system. The problem is um, when, when it comes to uh, equity, diversity, and other things, when people talk about limiting, limiting, um, uh, applicants and limiting uh, permitting, that's going to drive the cost up. You start driving the cost up, you have fewer people who have access to that cash to get in, which means it's not helpful for small businesses or minority-owned businesses. So it's that very fine line. You mentioned New York about what they're trying to do with the grant program. Well, you have to fill that grant program up with money to allow it to be able to get to these businesses. And so small businesses need access to cash. They think they need access to uh, cheaper cash where it's, it, it's, it's doable. Um, at the same time, they need to have um, the resources to run their business and they need to have grant programs out there that help them or else they will just get eaten up uh, by the larger ones. And capitalism rules applies, but we don't need to speed that up. We can still create this industry at a scratch that's small business, entrepreneurial, uh, that's uh, focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, all these things. But it just it just is not going to happen on its own. And you see a lot of these states, they have great intentions. And then three years later, five years later, they realize nothing ever came to fruition. And so that's something, you know, I don't want to repeat that at the federal level, but it, it means you need to be engaged. It means you need to be active. And thus, where, you know, advocacy money is going down, it's a lot harder to represent those industries because other regulated industries out there, whether it's know pharma or whether it's you know tobacco or alcohol or something they're out there and they're talking about cannabis and, and we've talked about this before out of those big alcohol big tobacco um big pharma which of those biggies is going to be are they all going to be anti-cannabis or is there one in particular that may just come in and be like uh you know the 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 Lone Ranger come in and help out this industry and and lift it up and give it the financial backing that it needs to get stuff done. Well, I mean, you <laughs> you're talking about capitalism here. Capitalism, yeah. you know, people want to make money. So when you say 
good or bad. I think everyone's watching it. You know, cigarettes, uh, Chronos, you know, is is in there. They're watching it. They're engaged. You mentioned alcohol with Constellation Brands and Canopy. Like, they're there. Um, big Pharma, I look at Big Pharma as they look at this as an opportunity and a threat. You know, I mean, an opportunity to get engaged and to bring new drugs to market that help people. The threat meaning if you are on cannabis, maybe you are not taking opioids like you were before. And so, therefore, that is a major source of revenue for pharma to where they want to make money. And I hate to say it, if that is you using opioids, how do you, you get off that? That's going to hurt their bottom line. And Josh mentioned about companies and their bottom line and self-interest. Everyone's there. I don't think they're opposed to it. I don't think they're trying to stop it. But everyone definitely has an angle on, you know, how they look best the day after legalization and how they're best um, uh, positioned with legalization. And they are trying to get to that outcome versus good or bad or stopping or what have you. And, you know, Josh mentioned lobbyists. You know, you're a bad lobbyist if you don't represent your interest. My job is to represent interest. And those interests tend to be on the small business and the cause. But if I were representing larger MSOs, I mean, I would try to be good at my job and do my job to represent those interests. I just hope people who care about this issue um, and care about doing it right and want the good outcome support people like me and, and the cause. So we have a voice at the table versus the voice at the table is alcohol and pharma, cigarettes and bigger operators. Because you will get legalization, it'll just be skewed towards them. If you look back historically at, at some of the states that uh, have legal, vibrant uh, cannabis economies, if you will, and I don't know if you could pick which state is doing it right, the, the most successfully or not. I don't know if it's Arizona or if it's Michigan or everybody has issues with it for sure. Um, but it seems to me that decriminalization has been introduced at the state level before legalization enters into a regulatory market. It, 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 if you look back on the history, pretty much every state that is adult use legal started with a decrim um, step first. Shouldn't the federal government understand that at least? And, and even if that is the little, the first, you know, you used to call it low hanging fruit. If, if that is really what has to happen first. Isn't that where all the efforts should go? Well, that's what Joe Biden's announcement was, you know, in October. Right. And basically, right. listen, no one, nobody should be getting arrested for, you know, cannabis, small possession. Trafficking is a different, completely different issue. Right. Um, to where no one, the states are going in that direction. So decrim is very popular because so many people are consuming this product. The last thing they want is you get arrested for consuming it, but I don't. Um, and we're, you know, a lot of local police forces are going through this now um, to where, yes, it should be a given. No one should get arrested for this. And I think that's the first step. The second step is, should we be legalizing and what should it be looking like? But I think that first step is is mostly universal. But there could be there could be some, you know, local local jurisdictions out there that still want to arrest people for um, small possession, which is uh, it's horrible. Power and money seems to be the um, the theme in the chat room right now on our uh, YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, Michael, you mentioned capitalism. Josh, you've been in this space for a lot longer than I have, for sure. Uh, is it, are we, how, how do you manage power and money? 
how do you manage it when when there's such excitement about making money and, and there's an adrenaline rush to it and uh, are we just is the capitalist system and and cannabis just never going to be part of it i don't know i'm, I'm just throwing these words out there because i read it in the chat room yeah, you're, you're, it's water and oil. How do you combine an altruistic uh, perception with the realities of um, a an ev quote unquote evil capitalistic society? And they're 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 um, butting heads against each other all of the time. And so ultimately, you have to do it with the lobbyists. <laughs> they're they're the middleman. They're they're the person who's going to get in the middle and be that moderator for your own sanity. Because somebody has to deal with bureaucrats. I don't have the patience for it. People don't care or have the patience for it. So um, unfortunately, people try and vote over and over again, expecting a different result. And the reality is, is that the lobbyists are the ones making 20,000% for their corporate interests. And so if we as the individuals don't empower lobbyists, nothing's going to matter because lobbyists ensure votes are never heard of or dealt with at the federal level. The local level is the only only place I personally vote because I'm boycotting the system at the federal level because it's obvious to me that voting harder is a meme and voting over and over again is insanity. So until we as individuals can have a lobbyist that can get something done, I'm following Ice Cube and I'm holding my vote until I get paid. Huh. Uh, you got to support me in my new effort, Josh. Uh, that's there you exactly go. what I want to be doing, getting um, uh, support for the good. Um, it is hard because a lot of people who got in, involved with the cannabis industry, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they wanted to do what was right and create companies and have people not getting arrested. And then at the same time, you're building up an industry and that industry, you know, you have to deal with labor laws and you have to deal with all these other things that are related to capitalism and making money and paying bills. And sometimes that could butt heads. You know, it would be great if we all just grew in our backyards and we had enough to consume and we traded with our friends. But on a on a grand scheme across, you know, markets, you need to get this product out. Um, and, you know, what's the most efficient ways to get that uh, product out to market? And that's where you come into taxes and rules and regulations and interstate commerce and all the things we're trying to get an advantage and everything. Josh is mentioning is about, you know, those people trying to get advantages over your competitors and what they're willing to do versus, hey, we all want the same thing. How do we survive in this? And even yeah. if we had, even if we had cannabis that was, you know, good and pure and hopeful and, and small business and entrepreneurial, there would still be cap there would still be capitalism involved in those because everyone wants to make an advantage and like Josh said, get paid. That's always going to drive people. I'm still, I haven't gotten corrupted yet, um, Jimmy and Josh, and I still want to do the good thing. Um, and so I still want to fight. I hope I can keep continuing to do this. I hope, you know, when I announce uh, my own lobby firm that there's going to be a demand for representation and doing the right thing um, and having the voice out there. Well, we will continue to give you a platform to have that voice heard, Michael. How's that? That's the best thing I can do personally. Um, I'm actually shocked to hear that Josh doesn't vote in, in federal elections, and he and I will talk about that off, off camera a little bit too, because it is your obligation as an American citizen, even though you have to 
sometimes let's, hold your nose let's, when let's you make that. Let's argue about it because the only people I, who, the only people who don't can, who shouldn't complain are the ones who voted because it's your fault. Until every bureaucrat wakes up and realizes we didn't vote, that's the only time anything will change. So let's argue about it. All right, you got it. We're going to take a break before we argue about it, though, because uh, it's past 420. We missed that. It's definitely time to take a little break. Michael, thank you so much for joining us again today. And uh, let's talk off, off um, air, as they say, and uh, figure out a way that we can uh, continue to keep this going. Hey, thanks, Jimmy, Josh. Thanks again. And we'll be back with more of Green Rush Live after this. Don't go away. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, Come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.